both members and visitors alike, we praise God for your your attendance today, and we are thankful that you have taken the time to come to worship God, whether you're online or here in present. We thank God for you being here today. I am thankful for the song that we sung a moment ago because it uh, fits right into the lesson uh, that we're going to be talking about this morning. Let's go together to word and a word of prayer to God, please. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for allowing us this day to awake my beds of slumber for this very moment, this very hour, for this purpose, to be able to assemble, to worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray, Lord God, that you will bless our minds to be clear worldly thought. We might focus on your word, on your will and your way. That we might hold in high esteem your great son, who so willingly died on that cruel, cruel cross of Calvary. Pray, Lord God, today that you will bless us to keep our minds focused always on you and on our great reward, eternal, in the heavens, because of your great gift of love. These things we ask and pray in that wonderful, magnificent, most awesome, holy, and precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to be thy will. Amen. This morning, we're focusing on the second death, but we're also going to speak of the first resurrection. The human being possesses body, soul, and spirit. The resurrection speaks of the soul that never dies. The body returns to the earth, the spirit returns to the God who gave it, but the soul never dies. Today, this lesson is focused on spiritual life and spiritual death. So I hope that I can have your attention through this lesson. This is very serious, isn't it? Because you see, thus far we found that the earth beast and the sea beast, as well as Satan, have been bound, thrown into this lake of fire for their destruction. And yet there's still one more enemy to be abolished. And that is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 26, where the Bible says the last enemy to be abolished is death. And that will not occur until the end of time. See, God's original plan was that man would live on the earth forever. We find that in the book of Genesis, both chapter 2 and chapter 3. But because of sin that separates man from God, because of sin, man experiences death. So the message today is about spiritual death and spiritual life. Romans 6 and verse 23 says that the free gift of God is eternal life. Thank God for that. Thank God for giving us this this free gift. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Thank you, God, for that. And yet there are so many. Turn to Revelation, please, chapter 20, from where our lesson begins. There are so many today who refuse to receive the free gift of God, eternal life. So Rome is our subject matter for the day. Rome refused to give their lives to Jesus. They refused to stop the torment the torture, and the persecution of the people of God. 
And so the Bible says in Revelation 20 and verse 6, Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. The message, blessed are those who participate, who have a part in the first resurrection. You see, the Bible makes it clear, Acts, please, chapter 24, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. In verse 14 and verse 15, the Bible says, But this I admit to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I do serve the God of our fathers, believing everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men cherish themselves, that there certainly shall be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. John chapter 5. And that's why this subject is so critical that we speak of today. As the saints were going out and trying to help Rome, the Romans, the lost to see that there is going to be a resurrection. It's not all about this physical life. There is spiritual life that is important and critical and crucial. And some obeyed and some refused to obey. And so this, this very lesson speaks directly to them. It speaks directly to us, to the lost as well as the saved. In John 5 and verse 28, the Bible says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs shall hear his voice. And shall come forth those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, and those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Now, in Revelation 20, we're going back there now, in verse 6. Those who have a part of the first resurrection are the saved. They are the, the people of God. There is, there is hope. There is this blessing. There is this amazing uh, gift from God. And in Revelation 20 and verse 6, it says, Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Now, last week, I, I we, we read this, and then I told you we're coming back to it today. Those who are apart in the first resurrection, turn to First Peter uh, chapter 2. There's a key that God gives us, a key, a key verse, a key thought that God gives us to help us to understand exactly what it is that God is speaking of. And he says that these people will be priests of God. The only priest of God in the New Testament era, from the day that Jesus lived and died and established the church, are Christians. And so what he's saying is that only Christians will participate in the first resurrection, but the second resurrection or the second death will not harm them. In verse 9 of 1 Peter chapter 2, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a 
holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Only the people of God participate in the first resurrection and are unharmed by the second resurrection. Second death. Turn, if you will, please, to the book of Romans. You see, the first resurrection happens in this life. You see, in this life, we uh, surrender our lives to God. We allow God to do what God does in the waters of baptism. He removes the sins from our lives through immersion, which is a type of death, if you will, and burial and resurrection. And that is your first resurrection that saves you and protects you from the second and the second death. All right, we're going to come back to that one in a moment because I want to show you the fate of Rome as being taught in the book of Revelation. Those who refuse to obey God, but at the same time, I want to show you the fate of all mankind who refuse to surrender their lives to Jesus and submit to him in the waters of baptism. We start in Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. How shall we who have died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. In order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For... If we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ... We believe that we shall also live with him. So I wanted to start out right there just to give you hope so that Christians can say, praise God. But I also wanted to start there because maybe there are some of you who are online, there are some of you here today that have not participated in the first resurrection to show you there's hope for you as well. God is amazing. Back to Revelation, please, chapter 20. God has given us the amazing blessing of life through a resurrection that happens in the waters of baptism. Figuratively speaking, as we read Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11, I want you to notice that the heavens and earth pass away. Look, if you will, Revelation 20 and verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whom's, from whom presence, excuse me, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no peace or place was found for them. So heaven and earth is gone, figuratively speaking. 
That's the reason why when you get into chapter 21, look at verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. So we got to grab that and understand that the new heaven and new earth is because the first heaven and earth passed away. But today we're talking about this resurrection that's going to occur. There's a book of life. And only God has the authority to put or place names in it or add names to it and remove names from it. The Bible tells us in verse 12, 12, Revelation 20, And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged from these things, which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Figurative language. Each person is judged. Now we gotta ask ourselves, we're looking at, we're looking at figurative language. Now I wanna talk about figurative language just a little bit more here in just one second. But first I want you to realize that figurative language teaches a truth. Turn back to Philippians chapter 4 and let's look at verse 3. Philippians 4 and verse 3. The Bible says, Indeed, true comrade, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Figurative language involves the use of symbols and and stories or, or other descriptive means to express truth. One of the purposes of figurative language is to illustrate and to graphically portray truth taught elsewhere in the scriptures. And the Bible has told us already that there is a first resurrection. And there's a second resurrection. The Bible has made it clear to us that there is a book of life that has our names, Acts chapter 2, added to it. Those who were baptized were added to the church, Acts 2 and verse 47. In Revelation chapter 20, in verse 14, listen to what the Bible says about the sinners. Only the sinners are judged in the second death. There's a separation Verse 14 and 15 says, And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now go to Matthew chapter 13. The second death is an eternal separation between God, if you will, and and man or the souls of man. It's this miserable state of the wicked after the day of judgment. 
Now, when we think about Rome, we say, yes, Rome, because they destroyed so many people. They beheaded Christians. They they were uh, mean and abusive and wicked and evil, etc., etc. But, brethren, the message extends far beyond Rome. In fact, the message goes back to the beginning of time. That's why Jesus came, to save the lost. But, brethren, Jesus cannot save those who do not want to be saved. So the use of figurative language here in the book of Revelation is to graphically portray the truth of God's message that was taught by Jesus and his apostles. So now we're going to talk about the second death. The second death. The fires of hell. Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 47. It helps us to realize our our true need to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to save souls. Verse 47 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea and gathering fish of every kind. And when it was filled, they drew it up on the beach. And they sat down and gathered the good fish into containers, but the bad they threw away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels shall come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Luke 16. Luke chapter 16. Here's the subject. People say, we we don't want to talk about this one. Well, here's what's interesting about this subject, though it's, it's no one's, maybe it's not our favorite subject, but it's a very important subject. Probably the second most important subject in the entire Bible. Because the first most important is salvation. And the second deals with those who are not saved. It's very important, it's critical that we keep our spiritual lives intact. That we keep our souls aligned with Jesus, with the Word of God. That we stay faithful and committed to God because there is a heaven and there is hell. And God is making it clear to us. And saying to the Romans, if you will, in that day, Romans, there is heaven and there is hell. And when you execute Christians, you send them to heaven. But if you don't come to Christ, you go to hell. Hmm. Luke 16, verse 22, Jesus told a parable. Now it came about at the time the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. The fires of hell. Matthew chapter 25. And when you think of, of spiritual life and you think about your relationship with God, if you're not taking it seriously, Jesus is making it clear. There are the fires of hell. There's a heaven to gain, brethren, and a hell to shun. This lesson ought to make you uncomfortable because there are people that we know who are not aligned with Christ, who are not in Christ Jesus our Lord, who have not been baptized into Christ Jesus who are not saved. 
And yet we sometimes just keep friends with them as if everything's going to be okay. That's not a friend. We have to open up our mouths and speak the word of Jesus to the lost. Jesus taught us the importance of declaring this message. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41, then he would also say to those who on his left, depart from me accursed ones into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Verse 46, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. How important is this message? Back to Revelation chapter 14. And as the Romans were persecuting the Christians, the Christians needed a message that said to them, you are not dying in vain. You are not holding on to Jesus in vain. This life that you're living in Christ is not in vain. There's a reward for the faithful. Revelation 14, verse 9. And another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or upon his hand, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. He will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever and they will have no rest day and night those who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. You see, some gave up. Some gave in. Some followed Satan. Some followed Rome. Some followed men. Some followed their hearts, but only the ones that followed Jesus lived and were not hurt by the second death. There's a list. Revelation 21. Not that this is the, the totality of the list, but he's making, making it clear that there are people who will burn in the fires of hell. Verse 8, Revelation 21. But to the cowardly or for the cowardly and unbelieving, and abominable, and murderers, and immoral persons, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Do you think God's trying to teach us something? I think so. Second Thessalonians, please. His inspired apostles wrote about this second death as relayed to them from God, from the Holy Spirit. The importance of service to the Lord. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 beginning at verse 5. This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment. So that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God. For which indeed you are suffering. For after all it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you. And to give relief. To you who are afflicted and to us as well, when the Lord shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, 
dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of His power. When He comes to be glorified in His saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed, for our testimony to you was believed. And what did Jesus say? Matthew 7. Everywhere you go, you find folks running around saying, you know, great things about God. And praise God for that. Praise God for that. But understand what Jesus said about that in Matthew 7 in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to you, or to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Those whose lives were not aligned with Jesus Christ. You can turn the television on today. And you can scroll through the internet, and there are so many people who are proclaiming the name of Jesus. But Jesus will say in the end, I never knew you. You see, the teaching is, it's about doing the will of the Father, not my own will, not your will, not not something that sounds good. Don't, don't grab something out of the air and say, well, let's just follow this church because of. It's about being aligned with Jesus Christ. Back to Revelation, please, in chapter 20. It's important that you understand that there is truth and there is error. You have to ask yourself, if there was only one church in the first century, where did all these churches come from? <laughs> didn't come from God. Satan is still busy. He is still at work. And I know we're afraid sometimes as Christians, right? Christians sometimes are afraid to call a spade a spade, to tell the truth. But how are people going to be saved if we don't tell them the truth? Revelation 20 and verse 10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast And the false prophet are also. And they were tormented day and night forever and ever. Remember what the earth beast did? Remember when you read that? The earth beast in Revelation chapter 13. The earth beast was false religion. And they went out and that earth beast tricked people, deceived people into believing that that money can be your God. Fame and fortune can be your God. That you can, you can worship God any way you want to. You can worship all the gods. You can go on Mars Hill where there's 3,000 different gods and you can worship all of those gods and be just fine. The earth beast deceived the people. There's not one God. There's not one message. There are multiple messages. There are multiple gods. And the Bible says those people who follow those multiple gods, who did not abide in the truth, were thrown into the lake of fire. Verse 15, the Bible says, 
And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I want to show you, back in Exodus, please, that the understanding of God's book of life is not a new teaching, but one rather that is throughout the scriptures from both the Old into the New Testament. And that, brethren, as we read the Word of God and strive in our obedience to serve God, that God recognizes our deeds, good deeds, obedient deeds. In other words, just going to church alone will kill you spiritually. Just going to worship alone will kill you spiritually dead. It's about what we do in our lives. It's not about checking the box. Yes, it's important to be here. It's important to be online. I'm not saying it isn't. But it's not just checking the box. Monday counts too. <laughs> and all the way through Saturday, right? It's about our deeds, it's about our, our lifestyle, about our teaching, about our living. You know Revelation 21 verse 8 said all cowards will find their place in the lake of fire. That means God is saying to us as Christians, don't you be a coward. You speak the truth. The truth hurts, doesn't it? It stings us all. I've been stung. Still stung a time or two. The Bible makes it clear there's a book of life. And you can't add your name to the book of life. Only God can add your name to the book of life. And he does that in the scriptures upon those who are baptized. Based on what the Bible says. Now, the book of life is not a new idea. It's one that God's people understood from if you will, early, 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 earlier time. In Exodus chapter 32, beginning in verse 30, Moses is having issues with Israel. And it came about on the next day that Moses said to the people, you yourselves have committed a great sin. And now I'm going up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has committed a great sin. They have made a God of gold for themselves. But now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, please blot me out from thy book which thou hast written. And the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. You see, only God has the authority to remove a name or to add a name. And I hope by now you're thinking and asking the question, turn to Luke please, chapter 10. Is my name in the book of life? And if you're a child of God, I I pray you're asking the question, is my name still in the book of life? And if it's not because of the life that you're living, repent and turn around today. There's still time. There's still hope. And if it's not in the book of life, surrender to God in the waters of baptism today, for today is the day of salvation. Luke 10 and verse 17. Listen to what Jesus says. And the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this 
that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. Yeah. You see, what does Rome have now? Turn to Revelation, please, chapter 3. What does Rome have now? I mean, if they can't, if, if all they can do is kill your body, how much power do they really have over you? Talking to the church. You know, if that's all they can do is kill your body, you stay faithful to God. That's all they can do. They cannot touch your soul. The soul never dies. In Christ, the first resurrection puts us in the place of heaven because of the gift of God and obedient living by the blood of Jesus Christ through His grace and His mercy. But disobedience to God is destruction, eternal destruction. And you say, well, preacher, we're not supposed to judge. We're not judging. We're just telling you what thus saith the Lord. God's talking to me as well as talking to you. He's talking to everyone of all time and for all time. He told the church in Sardis. The church in Sardis had a name that they were alive, but the Bible says they were dead. And God wanted them to wake up from their transgressions, wake up from their lifestyle, and turn around to Jesus. And in verse 4 he says, But you have, Revelation 3 verse 4, You have a few people in Sardis, who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. You see, the second death is, on one hand, a very a very scary topic and one that uh, most people, we're going to Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and we'll close this lesson out. Most people choose to avoid, right? Steer clear. But it's the reality, brethren, that we must teach and that we must talk about. You see, it's not about just this life, right? It's about the life to come. You can be poor in this life and still go to heaven. You can be rich in this life and still go to heaven. You can be middle class in this life and still go to heaven. A baby, an old person, it doesn't really matter in this life. But you've got to live your life for Jesus. Surrender to him in the waters of baptism to make it to heaven and stay obedient until the day you leave this earth. Solomon tells us, out of all the things he did, both right and wrong, have he tried every evil and and every, every form of wickedness, Solomon realized this. At the end of his days, at the end of his life, when he came back to God, he says in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13 and 14, the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments. For this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Today, the question is, what are your deeds like? What have you been doing with your life? Is your life aligned with Jesus? If it's not, today's the day to conform to our great God. If you need prayers made on your behalf, we'll pray for you. 
If you need to surrender to God in the waters of baptism, we'll make sure that happens as well. God bless you and thank you for your time this morning.